and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Reese, a.k.a. Refer Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar, a.k.a. Meta World Reese, a.k.a. a whole bunch of other pseudonyms that we don't have time to go for right now. But uh, I wanted to say thank you for waiting for this episode to come out this week. Uh, I'm normally joined by my co-host, Hot Take Mondo. But last Sunday, I believe that's, uh, what's that, October 23rd, Hot Take Mondo had the debut of his long-awaited firstborn son, Baby Theo. Uh, born, I do not know the exact time, uh, but Armando just texted me saying, hey, podcast is canceled this week. And I'm like, okay, why? And he sent me uh, some photos of little Theo wrapped up in the hospital bed, and uh, it brought a smile to my face. I know he was waiting any day for that little baby to come into the world and be a little ball of sunshine for him. So I just want to send a quick congratulations to Hot Take Mondo, who will not be joining me on this episode today. Uh, Armando, I do want you to know if you are listening out there, A, thank you for being a valued listener of Fountain City Sports Media, as well as being a valued co-host of Fountain City Sports Media. Your dedication to this podcast is unbound, unmatched, and I'll tell you what, irreplaceable. However, some of our friends in the infamous Fountain Fantasy group chat wish to wish you well wishes, Armando. I uh, sent around the collection plate and received a few videos of people who had a few things to say to you in regards to the birth of your firstborn son, baby Theo. So let's roll it. Congratulations, Armando and Logan, on the cutest baby of all time. You know, if I'd been feeling really generous, Armando, I would have let you beat me in fantasy a couple weeks ago, but a guy has limits. Armando, congrats on becoming a father. Uh, congrats to you and, and your wife that um, everybody is healthy, uh, I, I hope. And um, I'm, I'm also hoping that uh, your, your quote-unquote hot takes are not a genetic trait. Um, I wouldn't want the kid to be cursed with uh, those quote-unquote hot takes for the rest of his life. Uh, congrats again. What's up, Armando? Just on my way to rehearsal, and I thought I would make a little video congratulating you on being a real-life dad. It's going to be awesome. Soon I'm going to have another uh, opponent to beat in fantasy football. Congratulations, man. What is up, Armando? It's your boy, Alex, a.k.a. The Red Russian, a.k.a. JTT Stan. Just wanted to say congratulations on the new kid. And I hope everyone's doing all right, and uh, I'm hoping to see you when you come into town next. Hey, Armando. So, um, even though you don't really seem to know anything about football or how to turn your voice, I think you're going to be an awesome dad. Congratulations. No, in all, in all seriousness, though, uh, congratulations to you and Logan on Theo. He's beautiful. Um, so happy for you guys. All right. Love you, man. Armando, congratulations on baby Theo. I'm sure he's keeping you up at night already with all of his hot takes. You're going to love being a dad. Congrats again. Uh, and don't hesitate to reach out if you need any uh, dad life hacks. Cheers. So there you go, Armando. Hopefully uh, little Theo does not does not fall far from the hot take tree. Uh, in fact, today, without your hot takes, 
I'm a little nervous because I'm not good at making hot takes. I said something recently about maybe needing to reevaluate where Bill Belichick stands all time as a head coach, not being this unanimous, untouchable overlord who has, what is it, seven Super Bowl? No, six Super Bowls. Brady has the seventh, I think. Anyway, I'm starting to say he wasn't great before he was with the Patriots and Tom Brady, and he has not been great on the Patriots since Tom Brady left. That's that's all I said, and suddenly everyone came down on me, like me saying Michael Jordan's not a top five basketball player of all time. It was the equivalency of that. And I'm just like, hey, I'm just here dropping hot takes, and all of a sudden, like people are grabbing their torches and the pitchforks, like it's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. So without Armando's hot takes here today, I do have another co-host in the studio with me. Uh courtesy of AISEO, which is a automated intel or artificial intelligence uh, search engine optimization answer machine. Uh, I'm just gonna call him Bot Take Mondo for short today. So let's let's see how he does. Uh, Bot Take Mondo, how are you doing today? He's thinking. And uh, Bot Take Mondo says, I am doing well. Armando, I'm glad to hear you're doing so well. That makes me very happy. You know, I, I feel like we got we to gotta crank this up a notch here. I'm going to find a, uh, let's see, text-to-speech generator. Let's bring Botek Mondo a voice here, just so I don't feel so out of, out of sync. Free text-to-speech. Ah, here we go. Let's see how this one sounds. I am doing well. That's kind of creepy. Uh, it's like the female version of Hal from... Uh, that Kubrick film that I can't get through. Are there any other options here for voices? MP3, skip text reading, pronunciation. Pronunciation? Ah, login required. You know what? Bot take Mondo. You're going to sound like Siri today and you're going to like it. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I found it. Uh, we have Alex, Fred, Samantha, Victoria, uh, Danielle, or Daniel maybe, Jorge, Monica, Thomas. Wow, this is so cool. I wonder how Fred sounds. I am doing well. Oh, that is 100% the voice we're using for Bot Take Mondo today. All right, Bot Take Mondo. This is going to be a multi-pronged thing. i got to get this set up my, my battle station over here and the text-to-speech set up my battle station over here. Okay, so long story short, now I feel more comfortable in with my co-host today. Uh, I kind of put off doing this episode for a little bit. Obviously, reason number one being this is the Chiefs bye week. So there isn't a huge rush because we don't play again until like next Sunday. It's Tennessee, I think, which is what it is. Uh, so this won't be the only episode coming out between now and then. Uh, we'll have an actual bye week recap episode, uh, potentially the investors meeting we had talked about uh, sometime this next week. Uh, but this is just going to be kind of a recap of the 49ers and what's gone on in this past week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, part of the reason I put this off is because I'm a bit of a procrastinator, so to say. And part of it's just because it's like, uh, I don't, I don't want to have to do research for this game. It's so much easier having a conversation, you know, with somebody and being able to kind of like ping pong of each other's ideas. I'm gonna have to go back. I'm gonna have to watch game footage. I'm gonna have to like diagnose things. I'm gonna have to watch what other people are saying about the game and read articles. So part of it's a little bit daunting. But then the other half of that is the more I got into doing research for this game, the more I realized like what a red pill, blue pill rabbit hole it is. And just like watching things and I start like jotting down notes like I'm freaking Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. And it's just like I've got like a, a billion million things jotted down and suddenly it's like, okay, good. You have five pages of notes. Now distill all that down into a drinkable single malt script for this episode so you're not just ranting for like 60 minutes with no cohesive talk whatsoever. That 
is where the hard part lies. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you can stick with me on this episode, I've tried to uh, boil this game down to some key points, mainly how the Niners looked, how the Chiefs looked on offense and defense, uh, signs of improvement, what needs improvement. Uh, That's just kind of the rundown for this game today. So, uh, A, bear with me for that. B, bear with me uh, because I have a... (coughs) Sorry. A serious allergy cough right now that's real bad. Um, let's see if Batek Mondo has any answers to this. Uh, how do I cure my allergies homeopathic style? One, get out of the house. Whoa, that sounds like a threat, Batek Mondo. Uh, but you get out of your house because we just kicked the San Francisco 49ers out of their house uh, in a dominating 44-23 to matchup in the Bay Area. I tell you what. Uh, let's start at the very top of the game here. Uh, needless to say, we started slow again. This is a habit that's been creeping up in the Chiefs, uh, particularly in the Patrick Mahomes era. I don't know if it's like the way that they kind of like activate themselves is they can't get going unless they need to get going. But I think I made a meme about this a couple times last year. It's just the concept of the team doesn't really start kicking until they got to start fighting. Long story short, we started off in a 10 to nothing hole San Francisco 49ers have uh, Kyle Shanahan as their head coach, and he is known for being fantastic at scripting plays, uh, for creating you know incredibly con- incredibly complicated schemes and concepts for plays. Uh, and subsequently, the Niners' first 14 plays went for 100 yards, and I mean they they looked really good. Uh, <laughs> but here's the big thing: despite the Niners going ahead 10 nothing in the first quarter, they maxed out their win percentage at 58 percent. Now, I don't know if that's because the Chiefs have like some sort of momentum integer in these percentages or the fact that the San Francisco 49ers can be a little suspect once they have to start going off script. I'm, of course, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, as it would stand, things were not so great for Jimmy after that first drive. Now, one thing people were really clamoring about was the addition of Christian McCaffrey not 72 hours before the trade deadline. Now, San Francisco kind of took the St. Louis Rams, <laughs> Los Angeles Rams approach on this. And uh, they sort of mortgaged a bunch of draft capital for a star player, thinking that's the only thing they needed to get them over the edge. Uh, so the questions coming in before this game, I think it was Thursday night the news dropped, Schefter dropped it. And it was A, will Christian McCaffrey play this week? B, if so, how much? And I think a bunch of Chiefs fans were kind of hoping, like, oh, man, well, it's not that much time. Maybe maybe they'll put him in some goal line packages. You know, he's been kind of dinged up a little bit this year. They probably won't want to, won't want to show too much. He won't have a whole bunch of time with the playbook. But no, uh, Christian McCaffrey was, I would consider, uh, I wouldn't say heavily featured in the offense, but he was featured about as much as, you know, the usual suspects, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, those dudes. Uh, ultimately, they fed Christian McCaffrey eight carries for 38 yards and two targets for two receptions and 24 yards. So honestly, for not having the playbook for that, all that much amount of time, Christian McCaffrey had a pretty good game. He ripped off multiple runs of seven-plus yards in the first two drives, and uh, I wasn't super worried. He and Wilson look like they're going to be a really good tandem side-by-side, kind of a, a thunder and lightning style thing. They're really shifty. They're really good at following their blocks, and they both have a really good burst. That's going to be fits for what looks like a pretty down NFC West this year. Uh, but ultimately, while he was a factor in those first couple drives, uh, either they phased him out or he just wasn't getting 
a whole bunch of looks or later on we shut him down. But what you heard from McCaffrey was about what you heard from McCaffrey. He never gashed us. He never made us pay. I mean, he's got a lot of room to grow in that offense, and I really am excited to see what they do because I think Shanahan's a great football mind. But ultimately, that was kind of the gusto that you're going to see from the 49ers for the rest of the day. Uh, They added a field goal, a couple field goals in there, and they also added the touchdown later in the game in the fourth quarter. But that San Francisco 49ers offense was not clicking. Now, part of that has to do with the Chiefs defense, which we'll talk about later on. But another part of that had to do with Patrick Mahomes. The game did not start off well for Pat. Uh, After going down early, uh, we threw an interception on our first drive. And it was a very similar-looking interception to what happened in the game clincher against Buffalo, which unfortunately is not a good pattern and does not bode well for rookie Sky Moore, who seems to be making some of these rookie mistakes. Uh, Essentially what happened was Moore runs a curl route. He doesn't turn around in time, and the route gets jumped by the defense. Where have we seen that before? This one more so, I would say, on more than on Pat last week against the Bills. But ultimately, I mean, it sucks because it was another tip drill, another tip to INT like Pat had a bunch of last year. I can't remember. Uh, it escapes me. The two guys, one dove, popped it up in the air. Then someone else dove and caught that one. So I was just like, okay, it's going to be one of these games, right? Wrong. So here's the thing. We've seen this a bunch now that Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time in regards to overcoming double-digit deficits. But I I think the concept of the 10-0 hole is supremely overrated, particularly when the other team gets the ball to start the game. It's essentially like a tennis match. You know, it's like uh, you go back and forth and and you hope to break serve. So all that happens in a 10-0 hole is one team starts the game with the ball, puts up points, the other team has their first drive. They don't put up points. Team A then gets the ball back for their second drive, put up another touchdown. Suddenly, everyone's like, oh, it's 10 to nothing. They're in trouble. And it's like, no, it's two drives to one drive, so cumulatively less drives. And also, that's a touchdown or even a field goal difference from being a one-score game. It's like a, 10, a 10-0 hole is overrated, particularly when you're an offensive-minded pass-first team like the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, it isn't to downplay what Patrick Mahomes does because obviously there has to be something to that in the fact that the rest of the league is something like, oh man, combined like a less than 40% win clip when they're down 10 nothing, and Mahomes is something like 66 plus percent. So it's very impressive. I don't want to downplay that, but let's talk about the offense here for a little bit. After mentioning they started slowly with that interception, Mahomes really, really had himself a day. Uh, He was 25 for 34, 423 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception, not to mention two touchdowns that were called back off the board. I'll talk about that more later when we get to the officiating. Mahomes had a vintage day, ladies and gentlemen. He only had nine incompletions. He hit eight different receivers with receptions, and ultimately, three in particular, four if you want to count the dual-wielding McCole Hardman, really had some pretty impressive numbers. Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 124 yards and 111 yards respectively. They become the first 100-yard wide receiver duo in over 20 years for the Kansas City Chiefs. Had to do a bit of digging on this, but the last time they had this was the 2000 season against the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden's first stint. And uh, the two wide receivers who had those 100-yard games were Derek Alexander and Sylvester Morris. 
Chiefs all-time great Sylvester Morris. You love to see it. You love to see it. No, but the the fun rub in this is that Travis Kelsey was two yards off Mahomes having three 100-yard receivers. And as Fox would remind you after every snap, it was National Tight Ends Day. So, or tight, tight End Day? Tight Ends Day. I feel like Tight Ends Day would be like some sort of like Pilates holiday and Tight End Day is a University of Iowa sanctioned event. Anyway, so we nearly had three receivers with 100 yards and all of Mahomes' touchdown passes came to different receivers. He wasn't just like spamming Kelsey like he did a few weeks ago. Juju wasn't going crazy. MVS wasn't Lanny Poffo going boppo everywhere. No, Mahomes was distributing the ball. He looked cool, calm, and collected. Now, part of that has to do with the fact that this is probably the best game this season the offensive line has played, which is very surprising considering this is another number one ranked defense, or top five defense at the very least, the Chiefs have played. We're still the number one offense in the NFL by cumulative averages, which is crazy considering that it's, honestly, it seems like every other week it's like, the Chiefs are playing the number one defense in the NFL. Then the next week it's like, well, they're not the number one defense in the NFL anymore because they played the Chiefs. Okay, well, they play another number one ranked defense in the NFL. And it's like, oh my goodness, where does it end? Uh, but who knows? Maybe it's like the 10-0 hole thing where it's just like we don't play well against defenses unless they're a top five ranked defense. I don't know. I'm just saying uh, between this game and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, we have dropped a cumulative 85 points on two number one ranked defenses in the NFL at the time we played them. Uh, albeit we're also allowing points to those teams that are defensive oriented, but you got to score if we're scoring. So that's the way it looks. All things considered, it looked like a very effective day offensively by and large. Uh, the offensive line played really well. Uh, we didn't see a whole bunch of uh, our boy OBJ getting blown up on that left tackle spot, which is nice. Instead, we saw Nick Bosa picking on right tackle Andrew Wiley, who ultimately didn't do too bad. I think part of it has to do with the fact that they're beginning to scheme around him. You know, they're sending more pass protection with the running backs to that right side. And as the commentators pointed out, the Chiefs also employed a lot of kind of weird looks and blocking schemes on the offensive line to keep Nick Bosa on his heels. I think it paid off. There were back-to-back offsides calls on Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa seemed uncomfortable all day. Nick Bosa bit on some roots just because, you know, he's a really high-motor guy. That's how he gets to the quarterback. And they kind of use that against him, you know? It's like, it's a, for, for my video game fans out there, Batman Arkham Asylum, the first Bane fight, when you have to, like, throw something in his face and get him to run into a wall, and then you beat him up. Like, that's that's the strategy they implied on, on Nick Bosa here. So, ultimately, it worked. Mahomes only sacked once on the day, and I didn't see him on the ground a whole bunch. And he also wasn't running for his life. In fact, a lot of what became big plays for the Kansas City Chiefs were a result of Mahomes having time in the pocket and being able to step up and hit his receivers downfield in stride. Uh, One example being what, in my opinion, was the play of the game was the fourth quarter bomb to Marquez Valdez Scantling. Now, Mahomes had already hit him once earlier in the game for a big chunk pass. Uh, In this case, fourth quarter, third and 11, 28-23, The San Francisco 49ers just put a touchdown on the board to have some life in their offense, bring some life back into Levi's Stadium, and there was 12.49 left to play. Ultimately, the thought in my mind and everybody else's mind was, wow, I can't wait for the Chiefs to go conservative, go three and out on offense, give the 49ers the ball back with momentum, with 10 minutes plus to play, and let them just like take a long seven plus minute drive for another touchdown. 
that was very plausible because, as I mentioned, Kyle Shanahan is a great scriptwriter. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is great at following said script. Now, when Jimmy G has to go off script, as I was talking about earlier, Jimmy is not great at being able to improvise on the fly. If the script's not there, you're getting into kind of weird Jimmy Garoppolo. So giving like 10 minutes plus is essentially, I would say Shanahan's got to have like a third script in his back pocket for situations like this. Did I trust that the 49ers would put together a long run-based touchdown drive to take the lead with probably like three and a half, four minutes left in this game? Absolutely. But that wasn't to be the case. Mahomes hits Marquez Valdez-Scantling deep on third and 11. And I'm not going to say that iced the game. There are a few instances that kind of like, I don't know, turn, turn down the heat on the 49ers to the point that we could almost ice the game. And this was definitely one of them. Uh, it was a big bomb pass. We've seen this a lot of times so far where it's a big third down play. Instead of going short, we go long and the receivers just haven't been in sync with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen it with uh, McCole Hardman a lot. We've even seen it with MVS. We've had drops. But in this case, MVS ran his route, went right past Ward, former Kansas City Chief. I don't. I mean, Andy had to have known something was going to be up there and played on his tendencies. And as it was, we never looked back. We never looked back, and we kept putting points on the board. We put another, oh goodness, I can't do math, 16 points on the board with less than 12 minutes left. Congratulations. Congratulations, MVS. Juju Smith-Schuster also putting up a big touchdown late in the game to further put this bad boy on ice. We saw this against the Buffalo Bills, and it's one of Juju's best qualities. One thing we've missed is having kind of the the short, intermediate route pass to Tyreek Hill that Tyreek then like turns on his absolute Bo Jackson Tech Mobile speed and takes it into the end zone. Juju doesn't do it quite like that. But Juju has a knack for making a cut that gives him a bunch of angles. Uh, that's what happened against the Bills, what happened against the 49ers, and it's happened some other times this year. And ultimately, Juju just out-angles the defense and finds his way into the end zone late in the game. That's exactly what we need. Let's just say this. I think we can kind of put the Tyreek Hill question to bed at this point. Tyreek has proven that he can still put up you know, numbers wherever he goes. I knew that was going to be the case going down to Miami, even with Tua and his, you know, jokes about his limp arm and all that stuff because Tyreek kills a yards after catch monster. That's who he is. But the question was, would Patrick Mahomes be able to put up yards without Tyreek Hill to the same clip? I would say yes, and I would almost say this, you know what, hot take. This offense is the best version of the Kansas City Chiefs offense we've probably seen since at the very least the Super Bowl run, if not the Kareem Hunt era. I wouldn't say it's Kareem Hunt era yet, but... Best since that time period. Bot Take Mondo, what do you think of my hot take? If you believe it, there must be some creators. All right. Thank you, Bot Take Mondo. Uh, so anyway, Kansas City Chiefs offense looking pretty good. Now, here's one thing I want to point out. One reason why this game didn't get out of hand was the fact that we kept uh, star wide receiver rushing back hybrid monster Debo Samuel pretty well contained by and large. His numbers weren't that impressive. In that case, the Kansas City Chiefs finally employed something that Hot Take Mondo, Hot Take, not Bot Take, and I have been clamoring for for the better part of the last season and a half, and that is to run McCole Hardman more in the style of Debo Samuel. Now, Debo Samuel is stockier, he's stronger than McCole Hardman, you know, he's just, he's built different. And that's not a joke, he's built different than McCole Hardman is. However, McCole Hardman does have that elite speed that Debo Samuel possesses, 
as well as he has a knack for following blockers and finding seams. I mean, he turned a lot of little shovel passes into some great plays and touchdowns today just because of his knack for being able to find route runners, see the opportunity, and hit those gaps. So, McCole Hardman, give yourself a round of applause, my friend. He showed up, he had two rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. Very, very impressive today. I would almost say that Nicole Hardman may have out Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel. And I think ultimately that is what we need to do with him going forward. I think we still have him on a rookie contract through this year. So if we want to decide if we want to keep him, I think sign him to a three-year deal. And not to sound like, you know, morose or evil here, but it's just like, dude, put the mileage on McCall Hardman on a three-year contract. If his best trade is his speed and his shiftiness, it's like, let's just use that. Now, we obviously can't feed him the ball as much as Debo Samuel gets fed because, like I said, you know, Debo's built different. He's stronger. He's stockier. He can take more of those, you know, counter runs through the backfield. But you'll even notice in the 49ers this year, they're using Debo more sparingly but more effectively. He's uh, closing in, I think it's on 150, 160 yards this year, which at this point, he's on track to beat his career high. His yards per carry is somewhere in the 10, 10 and a half range, if I'm not mistaken. And, I mean, that's what we can do with McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman doesn't have to be a running back running back, but you scheme him to essentially be a running back for specific packages. Or you use him in those intermediate crossing routes or those short routes or those screen routes or anything that can get him a little bit of space to turn a little bit of nothing into a whole lot of something. Now, I've kind of been rambling on the offense for the better part of the last 15 minutes or so. So, please, let me allow... Allow me to give the defense some props here. First off, Jimmy Garoppolo, as I mentioned, on script, he's pretty good. I'd say he looks almost top 10 when he's on script. When he's off script, oh baby, oh baby, he is a grab bag of mystery. Ultimately, Jimmy G was sacked five times and intercepted once on a hurried throw. Two sacks in the fourth quarter were almost back-to-back plays, one being a safety on third and nine that, again, essentially iced the game. Our defensive line really showed up today, and it was really impressive. And I think part of that is brought on by the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has, oh my goodness, his Madden field vision. Remember that, like, when you had QB vision to Madden? He's got, like, a very hyper but very narrow QB vision. But his awareness in the pocket is, like, 10 overall it's like you haven't seen quarterbacks hang on to the ball in the pocket and like not sense this pressure or try to get away since probably the early mid 2000s man I mean we're talking like Kurt Warner oh I hate to say that but like Kurt Warner Steve Bono Elvis Gerback statue quarterback days Jimmy's more mobile than they are but I mean he holds on to that ball half a second to a second longer than he should and ultimately that's what led to the five sacks and the safety Now, we got to talk about Frank Clark here because that was probably Frank Clark's best game since, oof, probably maybe like the Super Bowl run in 2020. Two tackles, one and a half recorded sacks, and he was chasing Jimmy G and giving Trent Williams fits all day. Trent Williams, the best left tackle in the league who the Chiefs coveted one after, gave him fits. Are you kidding me? It was great. As I mentioned, he had the safety that essentially iced the game for us. That was the first sighting of, like, Frank Clark the Shark, and I, I don't even know how long. He's, he's been such a non-factor. He's just been, like, just a, like a jag fill-in player to have a approximately league average defensive end eating downs 
But I mean, he really showed up today, and he was a big part of why we won. And this was—he was like closer, Frank Clark. It's exactly what we need. Uh, the other person on our defensive line that I am issuing a Montucky cold snack take back is Chris Jones. As you know, I've been pretty hard on Chris Jones for a better part of the last season, season and a half. I think he likes to, you know, talk about being Stone Cold Jones and Sack Nation, all this stuff. But when it comes down to brass tacks, he can't get to the quarterback. He hasn't been finishing plays. He's been quitting on some plays. Double teams or not, we have not been getting the 20 million plus out of Chris Jones that we need to get out of a 20 million plus, 20 million plus Chris Jones. That was not the case today. Three tackles, two huge sacks, including a strip sack fumble that did, in fact, ice the game. Now, this isn't just a one-game occurrence. Chris Jones has been a man possessed this year. We haven't seen Chris Jones play this well since he was on a contract here, ladies and gentlemen. He looks, he looks like the definitive second best defensive tackle in the league that we are always told he is behind Aaron Donald. In fact, I would go as far as to say he looks about as good as Aaron Donald does this year. Not saying he's better, but saying in terms of both their play this year, Chris Jones has been about as impactful as Aaron Donald's been. There have been a few times, as we mentioned this year, where you know his incredibly soft, just tissue paper soft jawing cost us the Colts game, and where he had another strip sack fumble called back against the Oakland Raiders, which, sorry, it's, it's a bunch of cockamamie crap duty, but Chris Jones has been exactly what we needed for what looks to be on paper a very paltry defensive line this year, and I'm very thankful that Chris Jones has been able to be that leader, be that disruptor, bring some energy to this defense, and that is why he is a recipient of my cold snack take back this week. I also want to say two big things on the defense that happened is, here's another here's another hot take. I honestly believe that we have two of the top 15 pure tacklers in the NFL between Nick Bolton and Legereus Sneed. Batek Mondo, is that too hot of a hot take? No. Man, thank you, Botek Mondo. Anyway, Legereus Sneed and Nick Bolton are two of the top 15 tacklers in the NFL. And you saw it against this 49ers team. Bolton's second on the team with 10 tackles, including standing up Kittle in the backfield. And Legereus Sneed ultimately kept CMC, Debo, and Kittle in check from eating up potentially devastating yards after catch. It's, uh, it's very impressive. You know, we don't have the greatest tackling defense. A lot of times, what looks like it should be a four-yard gain, they slip a tackle, they extend the play, and suddenly it's 11 yards on a first down. That's just, that's just backbreaking. Over the span of a game, over the span of a season, it's backbreaking. Sneed, on the other hand, is one of the most surefire tacklers we have on this team. He's He does it with intent, he does it with force, and he does it with technique, and it's brilliant to watch him. Same goes for Unic Bolton. So I got to give a shout-out to those two guys because they are a big reason that we were able to keep the San Francisco 49ers in check this game. I think one thing, going back to what I was talking about, being in the fourth quarter with only a five-point lead and about 12 minutes left, what worries me about this defense overall is that the defense is not built to get a stop. The defense is built to trade touchdowns for field goals. Now, thankfully, as I mentioned, the defensive line was able to feast on Jimmy G, holding onto the ball too much, not having good pocket presence. But ultimately, the defense is not built to get a stop. The defense is built to trade touchdowns for field goals. And that's that's ultimately what happened today. Uh, the Chiefs kept putting up points. The 49ers would kind of march it down the field and kind of stall and rely on the leg of Robbie Gold to, to just put points on the board. But before you know it, Chiefs run away with it. 
Now, this was apparent in the Bills game last week where, you know, we gave Josh Allen psh, both both sides of the – sorry, towards, towards the end of both halves, Josh Allen had plenty of time to get down the field, and it's just like, yo, can you guys hold him to a field goal? Can you hold him to a field goal? It's like, nope, five – best we can do is five-minute touchdown drive. And it's just like, oh, that's so killer. And that's ultimately what makes it so unfair for Patrick Mahomes to have such like a razor-thin margin of error. And people expect him to be perfect. So when he does throw a game-ending interception, it's like, Mahomes isn't clutch. And it's like, no, dude. It's like, if the defense could have held him to a field goal, you know, Mahomes then has time to kind of like stroll down the field and get into field goal range with Butker, who's, you know, got a big old leg on him. But this defense can't seem to get stops on big touchdown drives. So that's why it's best not to have to put him in a position to get a stop on a touchdown drive. Uh, a couple of interceptions today, but you know, one was against Jimmy G on a terrible throw, and the other was against Brock Purdy at the literal like last play of the game. So they're obviously not built to get turnovers as stops. So we really need this defense to keep tightening up the screws. I know we mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago we will have our first team secondary later on in the season. And Spagnuolo defenses are known to get better as the season goes on, which I think we're starting to see signs of. Run defense regressing a bit. Pass defense getting slightly better. Defensive line playing above its weight class. That being said, can't let up defensive line. We need you to keep playing better and better as the season goes on. Just a few more things I want to talk about in this episode. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be referees if I didn't talk about the officiating, which thankfully, I mean, it's hard to say they didn't play a big part in the game because there were a lot of circumstances where this game could have gotten blown open again because of bad officiating or Vegas being in their earpiece, whichever one you want. But I just want to talk about some things in particular on when people say, oh, the refs the refs play bad for both teams. Like, it's one thing for one team to have a bunch of, like, offsides and false start, you know, and, like, really soft, undisciplined penalties. It's another when the officials take two touchdowns off of the board. So I want to start with, with one thing here. So first off, final drive of the first half. It starts off with the officials, quote, misinterpreting a hand signal for a timeout, costing the Chiefs their final timeout of the half. That to me is unacceptable. I think there has to be some sort of rule set in place. I don't know what that would be necessarily. But it's like, I don't know if you you fix the way that timeouts are called. You know, like maybe you have a buzzer on their hip. So it's kind of like, oh, I got buzzed and the light went off. Therefore, it is a timeout. But how do you misinterpret a hand signal for a timeout when you're going for a huddle up? It's like, use some use some common sense. So I know that doesn't seem like a big deal. It's like, oh, you lost your timeout. You know, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. Let's keep going on here. Later on in that drive, we get another touchdown late with like 15 seconds left. Now, here's what happens. Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa is cut blocked, which, you know, happens all the time by Jarek McKinnon. We score a touchdown. But the refs call it back for saying it was an illegal block, considering it happened outside the tackle box. Now, here's the thing. I knew they drew the they drew the tackle box on the screen, which I heard some people say that was not the correct graphic where the tackle box was, particularly since rule expert Mike Pereira was watching. He, he wasn't like, oh, yeah, he was way outside the tackle box. He's like, oh, that was actually pretty close to being right in the tackle box. Uh, so here's the other thing. The reason that's important is because Bosa, around the seven-minute mark in the second quarter, gets the same shot block put on him in almost the exact same place, and there's no call. Why did he call the second time? I think it's because if the Chiefs put up a touchdown there, they know the Chiefs start running away with that game pretty soon. And that's not good. That's not good for the line. That's not good for betters. Now, here's a big thing. Okay, yeah, what's the big deal? They call back a touchdown. 
Okay, they also called back a touchdown earlier on in the first half because Nick Bosa. What happened? Nick Bosa lined up offsides. That's a free play, correct? Nope. They then threw a second flag for illegal use of hands to the face on right tackle Wiley. Offsetting penalties, right? Not a big deal. Yeah, but here's the thing. The illegal use of hands to the face was only a result of Nick Bosa lining up offsides, getting a jump before the snap, and forcing Wiley to put his hands up with less space and less time than he should have because what Nick Bosa did. Nick Bosa being dumb and causing a penalty should not be grounds for another penalty because as a result of that, let alone taking a brilliant catch and effort from Travis Kelsey on tight end day, mind you, from taking another touchdown off the board. That's such crap. The second touchdown was equally important because, let's think back again. After that second called off touchdown, we had 11 seconds left on the board. Chiefs line up for a mid-distance field goal for Harrison Butker. Harrison Butker shanks it. So not only do we not have seven before half, we don't get three before half. Let's uh, rewind really quick to that timeout the refs kindly misinterpreted at the beginning of our drive to make sure we didn't have any timeouts left. What happens there? We had to kick that ball on third down. It was third a distance to the end zone, but there were 11 seconds left. You can either take a shot of the end zone, or you can take a mid-range shot to make that a surefire chip shot field goal and then take your timeout. Because we didn't have that timeout because the referees took it away from us, we didn't have that opportunity. Do you see where I'm... I know I'm talking in circles here, but do you see what I'm talking about here? Two touchdowns taken off the board. Essentially, a field goal put out of range because of an official's error. That's the potential for 17 points that were taken off the boards due to officials' incompetence. Incompetence or malice? I don't know. Your call. That's my piece on the officials today. Do better, NFL. Do better. Last little bit of stuff I want to talk about today. I'm not going to go too long. It wouldn't be Chiefs by week without an acquisition. Kansas City Chiefs have acquired Kadarius Toney wide receiver and former first-round prospect from the New York Giants for what is a conditional third-round pick and a six-round pick. I think both sides win this. The Giants get a third-round pick, essentially. I don't trust them to use a six-round pick well. Uh, And we get a receiver with a lot of upside who can create separation and man coverage. That's what we're lacking right now. Now, I don't think Tony's going to come in here and light the world on fire and suddenly, as everyone's saying, like, beat Tyreek Hill 2.0. There's there's no Tyreek Hill 2.0, at least not yet. But... Kadarius Tony does give us someone who is a yak monster. I know he hasn't had huge games, but you got to remember, in his time there, Tony's had two different head coaches. One last year being one of the worst coaching staffs of all time until Nathaniel Hackett, calling QB sneaks on third and eight inside their own territory. And also, Daniel Jones props to his improved play this year, but he's not lighting the world on fire, even this being his best year. So it's not like he's had someone great to throw the ball to. And with Saquon Barkley gone... They haven't had anybody to distract them from their very milquetoast passing game. I have some hope for Kadarius Tony. As I mentioned, Sky Moore uh, not doing so hot on his punt returning. Kadarius Tony returned punts in college. If that's all he does and he gives us a punt returning option, that's great. If he gives us a punt returning option and becomes the yards after catch monster who can create separation of man coverage, even better. We also have him now. We can pick up his fifth year option should we choose because he was a first round pick. And ultimately, a conditional third is not the end of the world. A conditional third is a glorified fourth. It happens at the end of the round. I know we like those third, fourth round picks on the Kansas City Chiefs, but, you know, a potential bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So I'm sure I'll talk about that more later on as the season goes. But 
that's all I want to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to give you a recap of the San Francisco 49ers game. I wanted to put some content out there, and I wanted to wish a big congratulations to my co-host, Hot Take Mondo. Uh, Bot Take Mondo, do you have anything else you want to say to Hot Take Mondo at the end of this episode? Outlook good. Hear that, Armando? Outlook good. Gmail bad, Hotmail chewy. Just kidding, my buddy. Uh, congratulations, Armando. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Fountain City Sports Media. Check back in for our bi week extravaganza in some way, shape, or form. Uh, otherwise, beautiful day outside. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your family. Take care. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to get access to premium content, including bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and Speedy and Angry, our latest 10-part miniseries into the Fast and Furious franchise. Check us out on social media at Fountain City SM for info on the podcast, memes, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for performing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. Music